0: All right, we're going to go back to relationships. We spent uh, two weeks on talking about developing godly relationships. We'd gone into friendship. We'd covered David and Jonathan two weeks ago. And I started to move on, and then I just really felt like we were supposed to cover a couple more things before we leave the subject. I believe, you know, friendships are, they're crucial. They help us in our longevity. They help us in our faith. Uh, they make life easier. They make life better. A lot of people are scared of friendships because they've been burned. They just quit. And so we want to talk about how to build relationships that last. And I know in part one we talked about seasonal relationships. We talked about degrees of friendship. You know, you have the multitude. You have the seventy. You have the hundred and twenty. You have the three, the twelve, then the three. You know, Jesus did. And so you're going to have really, really close friends in that inner circle that are forever friends that are going to go through life and all of life's plethora of events with you. And then there's going to be people that come and go in your life, and, and that's okay. But I don't, I don't believe God wants us to go through life without Moses and Aaron and, and Ruth and Naomi and David and Jonathan. I mean, he, he paired people up in friendships And I believe it's a godly principle. Our problem is when we get hurt, we put walls up and we start cutting people off. Friends are not disposable. You know, they're not disposable. And I realize that sometimes you need to separate yourselves for the sake of of a sin issue, a moral issue. I get that. But I'm talking about just because you got your feelings hurt. We tend to cut people off. So if you want a friendship that remains, you have to remain. I mean, I don't know how much more simple God can say it to me. If you want friendships that will remain, you have to remain. And that's why I love the example of Naomi and Ruth. So you can turn to the book of Ruth. And I'll give you a little Reader's Digest version, if anybody even knows what that is anymore. She told my age, didn't I? I'll give you the the summary uh, of of some of it for the sake of time. Naomi's husband had died. They had left Judah. They had gone to Moab, and Moab was full of a bunch of idol worshipers and things, but they had gone there because um, things weren't going well in Judah. So Naomi's husband died there, but she had two sons. And those two sons married Moabite women, which were non-covenant women. But she and those two boys and their wives, you know, lived, I say together. I don't know if they were together in the same tent, I doubt it. But they lived and functioned through life together for 10 years, the scripture says. So she's got history with these girls. And, and, and she has taught them about God. And so then the two sons die. So Naomi has no family, blood family with her. And she hears things are going well again in Judah. And so she, she goes to the girls and she says, hey, I'm going to go back to Judah. And she encourages the girls to go back to their families, to go back to their families homes, their parents, their siblings. And when she does this 10 years that she spent with these girls, this was tough. They had built a bond, and they began to cry. And in verse 14 of Ruth 1 it says, "At this they wept again. Then Orpah, which was one of the girls, kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her king james version says she clave to her she was cleaving to her and i found it interesting that that the word ruth and it was it was kind of funny how i found this because on my computer program i can just run my mouse over a word and it'll it'll pull up uh, the hebrew or greek meaning and so I was, I was actually going over to look up the word that she claved to her. And when I ran across Ruth, it popped up. Oh, well. Ruth means friendship. So I looked up Orpah. It meant mane, like a horse's mane. So, you know, there's nothing there. Maybe that's part of the story. I don't know. But... Ruth meant friend or friendship. And Ruth clung to her. She, she claved to her. And I found it interesting when I got my mouse over to that word that it meant adhere to, stick to, stick with, keep close, glued to, devoted to. And immediately my mind went back, okay, we've talked about this. The very first week that we taught on friendship we read this definition. It's not the same word, but it has the same definition. And it came from Proverbs eighteen twenty four. if you'll remember, where it says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother, which meant adheres to, glued to, cemented to, joined to. And so Ruth stuck to... She clung to, she adhered herself to, she joined herself to Naomi. And I thought this was fitting. She stuck to her closer than family. Closer than family. Closer than blood. Because she had the option of going back to her family. She did not take it. She clung to that covenant because we've been talking about covenant of friendship she clung to that covenant that she had with naomi the point here is not that orpah distancing herself and going home was wrong i don't know it might have been the right thing for her but the point is ruth sticking cleaving was right for ruth and naomi I mean, it was right. I'm not saying Orpah's wrong in leaving, but I'm saying Ruth was right in staying. And she was right in staying because of what she says we can read in verse 15. It was a godly attachment. Verse 15 says, Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, that's where I'm going. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me. Be it ever so severely if anything but death separates me from you. When a a friendship is godly, and I'm gonna call it a divine connection, we need to take it very seriously and not let things come between us. I don't know what would have happened in this story if Ruth had gone home, but I can tell you what happened in the story because she didn't, because she clung to that godly connection, that relationship. Uh, She she found God through Naomi, so she would not let Naomi go. Verse 18 says, When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? And she said, Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara. Because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. This woman is bitter, and she's blaming God. I I included that part in the story because Ruth didn't go with Naomi because Naomi was in a pleasant season. She was a bitter woman. She wanted you to call her bitter woman. She didn't want to go by her own name. She wanted to be identified as bitter. Y'all, Naomi was a lot. She was a lot. She was a lot in this season. But she wasn't always a lot. Ruth had known her as a mother. She had known her... Uh, how she operated with her sons and how she operated with her her daughter-in-law. She knew this was a season. And we need friends who stay even when we're a lot in a season. Mates, friends. I mean, friendship is in marriage as well, right? So we can apply it there too. And and, you know, I joke with Rusty. We joke with each other a lot. In fact, we laid in bed the other night and just laughed at the at the whole Sunday morning thing. When I asked him, "Do you you always want to be married?" You know, and and so we were laying in bed. We were talking about it. We were laughing about it. You know, there's just been a season where I was a lot. You do not have a poker face. (laughs) I was a lot. It was just a lot. There was a lot, but you know what? My covenant friends, and many of many of you in the room, covenant friendships did not depart from me. There were a lot of orpas in my life, and that's sad. Some of you have been through seasons. Some of you are going through seasons, and you're watching who you thought were friends, depart. I just want to say it's okay that they depart. Because there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And if, if that is God alone, Jesus our friend, uh, then you have a friend. I, I've been listening to old hymns. Anna and I were talking about old hymns yesterday. So I've been I've been listening to them online. What a friend I have in Jesus. Oh, what a song. We have him. But I believe God wants us to have flesh and blood friendships where somebody sticks with us through seasons and we stick with them through theirs. Stick with them through through theirs it's what's going to help them get through you know the body of Christ and Christians we're called to a higher standard in friendship sometimes we forget sometimes our mouths get to running even about people we love care for sometimes we say stupid stuff and we have to be able to go through the ups and downs of life and friendship and yet remain it's missing in the world. They, they just, they're just jumping ship. If, if, if you're not, if you're doing something that is embarrassing or, or you do something that they don't like or something they disagree with, they're just, they'll just unfriend you. Cancel culture is in friendships. And its we're supposed to live in a higher standard of friendship. So... Come hell or high water, folks, if I'm your friend, I want to be your friend. And I want you to be mine. It's important. No matter what level of friendship you're in with that person, whether it's inner circle or on out, it should look different than the friendship the world has offered them. Even if they're one of the 120 and not one of your three in your inner circle, if it's, if it's an, an acquaintance, your friendship towards them should still look different than what the world is offering them. There's just a commitment there of love. And I understand if you have to separate from people to protect your sobriety or, you know, to keep them from leading you into an area that's, that's a trap for you. But you, you do that in love. Naomi told him to leave, but Ruth stayed. I got to thinking about what it would would have been like if you loved, if Ruth loved Naomi that much, and Naomi looked at you and said, go home, leave me. A lot of people would have been offended right there and gone home. But it was a season. It was a season. And she said, no, shut up, quit talking about it, I'm going with you. I'm going to go where you go. I'm going to hang with who you hang with, and your God's going to be my God. Your people's going to be my people. Where you die, that's where I'll be buried. I mean, what a devotion of friendship that we see there. And turned her bitterness, I, I totally believe Ruth was crucial in turning Naomi's bitterness around. Who would Naomi have been without Ruth, and who would Ruth have been without Naomi? We're, that, that divine connection feeds godliness in us, and, and it's a strength in us, and, and friendship cannot grow in offense, and friendship cannot grow in criticism. It, it can't, and neither can you. And so I really feel that we need to purify our words when it comes to people that we call friends. Friends. And just let the Holy Spirit check us. You know, don't get caught up in a conversation about people you call friends because other people are saying something. Uh, it's, I realize it's easy to do, but if we understand that friendship is a covenant word, I believe it'll help us. I believe it'll help us see the seriousness of it. Is this a divine connection, a godly friendship that needs to grow? Is it a friendship that needs to stay right where it is and not go any further? Is it a friendship that needs to go? I, I don't know, but we need to know. Because if it needs to grow, then we can't do the things that stunt growth of friendship. I was reading a book by Dwayne Sheriff. It's D-U-A-N-E, by the way, Dwayne. Uh, this afternoon, it's called Erasing Offense. And he made, he made this simple statement. I just thought it was really good for tonight. He said, I don't have to feel uncomfortable around those who've wronged me. I don't have to feel uncomfortable around those who've wronged me. How? Question mark. It starts by loving God. You know, sometimes your friends are going to make you mad. Sometimes they're going to hurt your feelings. Sometimes they're going to offend you. But if we love God, we can work through uncomfortable situations. If if that relationship is worth growing, then you may have to have talks with friends that are not comfortable. But we can. I mean... If if I say if Lindsay and I have a, a an offense between us, we don't, so I will use you as an example. If we have something between us and Lindsay says, Hey, I need to talk to you. That's a really good sign. However, most of us when we hear those words go, Mmm, I just want to avoid running into her because she wants to talk to me about something. Because it's uncomfortable. But if it's a relationship, we want to grow. To me, the way God's trying to deal with me is if somebody says that to me, hey, we need to talk, instead of avoiding that to realize that person values my friendship enough for them to be uncomfortable. I need to value that friendship enough that I can be uncomfortable, the friendship is, is enough value to say we need to talk about this. You aren't near as excited about that as I was. He used this verse from Psalm 119. I'll give you time to get there. It's just one verse. Y'all know there's a lot of verses in Psalm 119? Man, (laughs) lots of pages. Psalm 119, just keep going over to around verse 165. I know, right? He was wordy that day. Psalm 119, verse 165. I'm reading out of the King James Version. Great peace have they which love your law. This is how we can deal with uncomfortable things when we love God. Great peace have they that love your law, and nothing shall offend them. Now, offend is not just being mad at somebody. There's, there's, if you look it up, there's kind of a plethora of definitions. But I loved, uh, I can't remember which, um, I can't remember which one it was. I found this one in. But they defined offend as a stumbling block of heart a stumbling block of heart when we're offended. And it can mean a stumbling block like a a sin trap. But if we get offended, it is a stumbling block. It It is a falling, it'll trip you up of heart. But if we love his law, if we love his word, then nothing, that's a big word, nothing shall offend us nothing will trip us up and if y'all are like me you know I can feel it when it's hit when it's coming when some y'all Cindy and I are the only ones that like somebody says something and it's offensive and you're like mm. push it back Susan where's my lady's bible study push it back push it back right keep it down my mother would say that's what my mother would say push it back push it back way back don't let what's coming up to your head come out your mouth because you need to you need to process that offense correctly. It's not that nothing's ever going to bother you. Because you're going to get red-faced and but you if we love his word, we're obedient to his word and we process that offense through the word. This is the only way you can have a long-term friendship. It's the only way. Because people that you're around, don't think like you. You you might say, oh, we think alike, but not on everything. Not on everything. Of course, the longer you walk together, the more you do think alike. That's why it's important who you choose to be friends with. But, I mean, Rusty and I, let's see, what was this, our 23rd, 22nd, 22nd anniversary? Y'all yeah, one year we forgot our anniversary. It was hilarious. He was like, August third, August third, what what is and then we both just cracked up because we had forgot our anniversary. Anyway, we, we really do have, we really do have fun. <laughs> we can laugh about it. But even though we've walked together that many years and we think more alike than we used to, we're still way different thinking on some things. And, and you're going to have that in friendships. You're not going to like everything your friends think. It's okay. Do you both love God? Do you both want to serve the Lord? You know, this country is so looking for an opportunity to be mad and cut people out. That's the culture is. Right now, it's what do I not like about you? It's not what do we have in common. The church is supposed to be different. The body of Christ, our friendships, our relationships are supposed to be different than that. There's a higher standard here. And we've got to be able to disagree on things and be comfortable talking about it. You know, let's come to the table and let's talk about this. And, and that's what loving God will do. Because we're going to process that offense through his word. We're going to see what he says to do. We're not going to cover a lot of that tonight. But Jesus gives some pretty direct instruction on when a brother offends you, what you're supposed to do. Brother being being a brother in Christ, not not just a flesh and blood brother. How you're supposed to handle that because he wants us as the body of Christ to have a long-term friendship, a relationship. We're connected to each other in the body of Christ. If one of us is, is out of function, it affects the whole body. And so these divine connections that God is placing in the body of Christ, it is a strength to the whole body of Christ. We need that. We need that closeness. And there's a lot of friend jealousy. Like, not everybody can walk with me in the morning. This is the one. I am hers and she is mine. Not everybody can, can call and, and have come to my house for prayer days. Like my, my Natalie and my Donna. And they come and we just sit in my floor and we just, we just pray over our families and each other all day long. Just all day long. Rusty comes in, he just says hello and walks away. Now, I can't do that with everybody. You can't do that with everybody. But you should be doing it with somebody. God wants that for you. I know some of you are believing for that by faith. And this place is in agreement that the people of God, if it is his desire for us to have godly connections and friendships that are a strength to us, that he is bringing people across your path. Maybe this is all training so that you're ready. Don't scare people off. Say, you're my Naomi, I'm going to die with you. You know, just... (laughs) Leave it a little looser than that for a while and let's see how this thing goes. As we saw David and Jonathan in session two a couple of weeks ago, even the best friends can disagree at times. If you'll remember, David came to Jonathan and he said, hey, your daddy tried to kill me and Jonathan said, that's not true. A lot of friendships would have been over right there but you know what they did? They kept talking. They kept talking. And they worked it out. Godly covenant friendships were not built to be disposable. I wish I could find this statement by Stephen Sexton. I'll I'll look for it, but it was quite a while ago. He was talking about fruit. And I started thinking about when we do stupid things in friendship, and, and maybe we do a wrong thing in friendship. Maybe we, we, we snap at somebody or, or we, you know, we get angry with them. We get upset with them and, and there's some bad fruit showing. You can't judge a tree by one bad fruit. Right, right. And this was a message that Stephen had done several years ago. You can't judge a tree because there's one bad season Because there's one bad moment, and forget the history of friendship that you've had with somebody. You just can't give up on that. Trees go through some tough seasons, but what do you do during those seasons that a tree is having a tough season? I can tell you what you do it's a hundred and something degrees outside right now. We have trees in our yard, we get five gallon buckets. We load the four-wheeler covered with five-gallon buckets full of water, and we take that water, and we pour that water on that withered-up-looking little tree that looks like it's never going to produce anything. We nurture them. We put, put stuff on them to keep those. I went out the other day. We were watering trees, and this whole limb was brown. I was like, what happened to that limb? So I went over to another tree, and while I was watering it, you know, I was kind of looking at the leaves And there was this whole wad of worms. That did not make me happy. (laughs) That's my tree. Rusty grew these trees from acorns from Charlotte's mama's yard. And he loves that woman. I'm telling you. (laughs) He loves that woman. And so he is very picky about his acorn-grown trees, and some of them are about this tall now. I was like, oh, no, you don't. I went and got some stuff. We, we took care of them. You can't give up on a tree because of a tough season. Right. That's good. You know, if somebody does something, somebody's being too much, they're being a lot to handle, if it's just a season, how do we remain How do we do that as friends? How do we remain? I'll tell you one of the most important things you do is start praying. You you take the water to the tree. When the tree can't get water for itself, you take the water to the tree. You are there to help that tree be strong and to make it through this season. You're there to help your friends make it through this season. If they snapped at you, it's probably because they've got something going on. And so of saying, she snapped at me or he snapped at me or he said this or he did that. Maybe we should look for the water worms and go, hey, this is why this is turning brown. And be devoted and be committed when it's a godly covenant relationship. Take the water to the tree. Don't say that tree needs water. That girl needs help. You the help. We're the help. Man, when Moses' arms got strong, I mean, got weak and got tired, his friends came, held up his arms, and set him on the rock. That's the example of the rock, Jesus Christ. That's what we do with our friends when they're going through things. We set them on the rock and we hold up their arms until the victory is won. That victory was determined on Moses' arms staying in the air. When his arms were up, the children of Israel prevailed. When his arms went down, they started losing the battle. Look at Moses. You'd think he'd keep his arms up. He knows we're losing down here when his arms go down. You know we laugh and that sounds silly. I speak from experience. When people are going through tough seasons, there's a great departure. How much do you value the tree? How much do you determine how much do you value the friendship? That's what I see Ruth doing during Naomi's season of bitterness. And it's what produced such a blessing in Naomi and such a change in her life and a a change for Ruth and the generations up to now even still counting what Ruth and Naomi, the friendship they had together is still affecting the world because Jesus Christ came out of that friendship. Man, it's powerful. Go with me to Ruth 4. We might not get through tonight. I encourage y'all to go back and read the whole book of Ruth because it is, there's just a lot there. There's a lot in type and shadow there representing Jesus. And But Ruth 4, 14, I'm reading out of the NIV. Ruth had, um, you know, gone with Naomi, and she had married... Uh, One of Naomi's relatives, uh, he was the kinsman redeemer. Some of you have done a study on that. His name was Boaz. And Ruth and Boaz had had a baby. And in verse 14, the women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. Speaking of Boaz to Ruth. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life And sustain you in your old age. So because Ruth had married Boaz, Naomi has a son to take care of her. That came out of that friendship. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. This, this baby and Boaz and Ruth are going to take care of Naomi for the rest of her days. That would not have happened if we had given up on this friendship and turned away. Then Naomi took the child, the grandchild, laid him in her lap, and she cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, who was the father of of king david and we know that jesus came from the lineage of david that came that came out of friendship it's still changing generations today it's powerful covenant good things come out of godly relationships good good godly marriages good godly friendships i'm telling you amazing miraculous things can come out of divine connections two are better than one Two are better than one. It's all through the scripture. So don't let something that somebody has said or done in a season steal the blessing of friendship that God has brought you. And I I wanted to go to Ecclesiastes chapter 7 before we wind down. Because I think this is so, I mean, this is just such wisdom. I'm actually going to read it to you out of the Good News Translation. It's Ecclesiastes, Old Testament. Pretty big book. It's pretty easy to find. I may have to pull a Brett here and get an amen or a hallelujah or something when you find it. Look it up in the front of your Bible, in your index, if you have trouble finding it. Yeah, if you find Proverbs, you're close. It's all books of wisdom. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 21. Don't pay attention to everything people say. You may hear your, se- your servant insulting you. And you know yourself that you have insulted other people many times. I don't know why it is we expect our friends to be perfect when we are not. And why when they say something about you, You act like it's a really big deal when you know. When you know there have been times that you said things you shouldn't have said. And there's just a whole lot of wisdom wrapped up in that little statement right there. We have to give people grace. Friendship requires grace. Friendship requires grace. You know why? Because humans require grace. And a friendship is made up of humans. And so don't, you know, just don't get so offended. You know who loves you, and you know their heart. And people may have a season, and they may say some things they shouldn't, and you may say some things you shouldn't, but don't quit a friendship. Throw some grace in the middle of it. Say, I'm sorry. And don't let pride hinder the blessing that comes out of a covenant relationship. Don't look for offense, or you will find it. If you look for offense, you're going to find it, even among the closest of friends, co workers, family. It will alter your relationship, it can alter your personality offense can alter your personality and that's the danger of not processing offense correctly we have to take the issues in our relationships to the lord who gave us the friendship take it to him take it to the word <laughs> take it to god take it in prayer take it to the word proverbs nineteen eleven, 11 out of the amplified the classic amplified i believe this is Proverbs 19, 11. Should be close there. Proverbs 19, 11 says, Good sense and discretion make a man slow to anger. And it is his honor and his glory to overlook a transgression or an offense without seeking revenge and harboring resentment. It's to your honor and to your glory When you can over... And I'm not talking about being a doormat and letting somebody beat you around, okay? I'm talking about receiving an offense even when wrong is done. And you can say, but it was wrong. You still need to... to, Without seeking revenge and harboring resentment. You know, if a wrong is done, we're supposed to confront the wrong. We're supposed to sit down and talk and, and the scripture gives us... Let's just go there. We got time, don't we? Matthew 18. This is the... I can't say it better than Jesus did for sure. It just doesn't mean that you don't deal with an issue in your, fri- your friendship, that you just ignore it. No, you, you process it, but you process it correctly. Because if you don't deal with it, you're going to end up building up bitterness and resentment, and it's going to become an explosion at some point. So we have to make sure that we, we deal with issues the way uh, God instructs us to. And by all means, if you know it's just a moment, it's not a big deal, don't make it one. If you know it's just a season, throw some grace out there. If you know it's not the heart of the person, you know, I've had people do things and I I know their heart. And so if you know their heart, don't, don't ruin a whole friendship over one moment. Matthew 18, Jesus is speaking. I'm reading out of the Amplified, verse 15. If your brother wrongs you, go and show him his fault. It's not hiding something. That's not pushing something, you know, pretending like it didn't happen. It's dealing with it. If your if brother offends you, uh, wrongs you, go and show him his fault between you and him. Oh. Well, let's stand and pray. No. <laughs> okay. This is hard for all of us to remember that if there's an issue between us, if possible, to keep it between us and process it correctly. And not get on our cell phones, start texting everybody, start calling everybody, get and make sure our side of the story gets out there before their side of the story gets out there. You're, you're ruining, you're ruining a friendship you're working against a friendship instead of working for a friendship. If you're something between you and a brother and this is in particular talking about in the body of Christ, then you you don't you go to him, you talk about what has happened, you show him his fault, and I ask that you, you know, you pray before you go. It'll help you use words that are wise and it'll keep people from being on the defense immediately. And you can word things in a way that's not an attack, and it'll really help you get further. And we, and we may go into that in, a, in some weeks to come. But show him his fault between you and him privately. If he listens to you, you've won your brother. You've worked through it. And you know, friendships who have been through stuff and stuck, they are strong friendships. Man, i look at the stuff over the last 20 we've. We've been walking together for over 20 years now. The, the life events, the seasons of joy, sorrow, pain, anger that we have stuck together through. That we have stuck together through. They've built something. They've built something. It builds something. And I want that for everybody in this room, in your marriages, in your friendships, that that you can go the ups and downs of life and that you can stick together. And even as a church family, as the body of Christ, if we can process things correctly, we've won our brother. Verse 16 says, if he doesn't listen, then take along with you one or two others so that every word may be confirmed and upheld by the testimony of two or three witnesses. This is not talking about taking your gang. This is talking about bringing mature people with y'all who can help you process through this fault. Because the end result of all of this that you're wanting is that your friendship, your, your brotherhood in Christ remain not that you're going to prove somebody wrong you're going to save the relationship that has to be the purpose of everybody that's there is to save it's not a gang i hate a shark frenzy when there's one person and there's this circle of people that's not right you're not going to come out of there with a friendship intact The end result has to be our desire for love to remain in place, for things to be worked out. And then verse 17, it takes it further. If he pays no attention to them, refusing to listen and obey, then tell it to the church. And I believe that's church leadership. I don't think... You necessarily want to ask for the mic on Sunday morning and say, you know, Dylan did this to my teenager, made them mad, you know, they're perfect, and they never do anything wrong, so I know Dylan's not telling the truth. You know, this is all for the purpose of correction, and, and then there comes a time if, if this hurtful relationship keeps going and they will not listen, then Jesus gives us permission to say let them be to you as a pagan and tax collector an acquaintance, not in the inner circle. Somebody you can do business with, but not in the inner circle. Jesus gives us permission to do that. But it's a lot longer journey than what we've made it. This is a great example of going the distance to grow a relationship instead of discarding a relationship. And if a friend wants to talk, about an offense with you they value you that just really helped me today if they want to talk to you about an offense they value you otherwise they're just going to walk away so when I call you tomorrow and I tell you I want to talk to you (laughs) I just want you to know I value you but isn't that true isn't that true Yes, it is. If they want to talk to you about it, they value. Because it's not a comfortable conversation. Nobody wants to do that. So we've got to realize the value that they see in the friendship. And it will help us receive without getting defensive. Tough lesson? Okay. Kayla has the mic. Please don't talk about your friends ugly. Don't talk about your wife.
1: No, right. no you did a great job explaining why friendship is so important. And that's why the devil works so hard to water friendships down these days. So many people think that friendship is chatting on a phone. And, you know, you don't know a friend. If it's all you do is experience them on on a phone because you're not standing there watching their expressions. When you say things, you're not knowing what you did to that person by what you said. Right. And, and it's so easy to offend people. And then that person does what, exactly what you said. Yeah. Then they get on the phone and, and just spread it. And something that could have easily been said, oh, did, did I offend you? And, and yeah. deal with it right there. But yeah. uh, our friendships have to be person to so person. It's like he said, go, go and talk right. to the person. And not So not, much of not, it's not a
0: misunderstanding. Them.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: You just missed understanding. You have to go, you have to know a person's heart.
1: I liked how you shared uh, how people were like trees. And we were in one of our, uh, our six o'clock chapels, and uh, they were talking about how the waters of Mara in Exodus 15:23. 23. Oh,
0: the, bitter,
1: the bitter waters. The bitter water, yeah. Mara mean bitter. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it t- they had to take a tree, throw it into the water, and it became sweet. Yes. And I just like how you used uh, friends That's as good. trees. Sometimes you just need another tree to help help you get out of your, uh, your bitterness there.
0: That's really good. I'm glad you tied that together. And of course that tree too can represent the cross. He changes bitter water to living water. And uh, so that's, thank you so much. That is, I forgot about that word Mara being used there.
1: Uh, me too, with the friends and the trees. Um, but I was looking at Luke 13, 6 through 9. And it's about a a fig, a barren fig tree where the owner of the vineyard is like, hey, this tree hasn't produced in years. Let's cut it down. Mm. And the keeper's like, no, give me one more year. Wow. Um, and also, regarding going to other people, instead of handling it as best you can uh, on your own, I mean, between you and the person. Yes. My mom and dad taught me that um, when you go around and you're telling these things about that person, if you do make up with them after that, now it kind of looks bad on you. you true.
0: Know? Yeah. Very true. Okay, give me that Luke chapter again.
1: Uh, Luke 13, verse 6 through 9. He was talking about repenting right okay, before that. Okay, I got that. you. Yeah.
0: You know, it's talking about the bitter water... And Naomi being bitter, it really does, really does alter our personality. It, it really does. If we hold on to it, it I've seen people change, if they're especially if they're mad at God, if they're bitter at God. It just, everything's sour. Everything's sour. So putting that tree in the water, that was, was good. Then Luke 13. Anybody else?
1: I like what uh, Ruth was practicing there when she chose Naomi. She was uh, practicing the law of association and the law of association is a very powerful uh, principle for prosperity. It really sets you up. It gives you a foundation to build on when you associate with that which God chooses for you or that which God is a part of. And even though Naomi was not perfect, um, she was the one to lead her to the covenant promised land. And so because of that law of association, she was introduced and, and she said it with her mouth as well. Not only did she choose uh, to be associated with Naomi, but she said with her mouth, you know, my God shall be my God, your God, gonna, your God shall be my God and your people, my people. And that opened the door then for the Kinsman and Redeemer, you know, to be attracted to her, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and for her to receive what she was believing for.
0: That's really good. I like that
2: law of association. A true friend will tell you what the word says, not what you want to hear. Yes. Truth. So true.
0: Thank you for being that friend <laughs> throughout my life. Yes, there's two of y'all back there.
1: Uh, Proverbs 27:6. Wounds from a friend are better than many kisses from an, yeah. from an enemy. And when I found, I found, like, when the Lord corrects us, it's almost like he wounds us in a way and it's the same wounding in my mind that it's not it's not a beating right it's like an incision
0: mm. it's
1: it's like a, when a doctor goes in skillful to do surgeon, skillful right. surgeon when a doctor goes in to do work it's well thought out it's planned out it's with intention not going in to destroy but to bring healing so it, when we if i have to go have a tough conversation with somebody that's why like you said pray think about your words that's the skillful wounding that's good that leaves room for a a healthy healing so
0: that's very good. That's
2: good i like it in talking about the tree analogy uh we have several dogwood in our yard and they've been planted for about 10 years or so 10 to 12 years and when, whenever i bought all of them they were all blooming and within a couple of years, I would say probably four or five of them stopped blooming. Hmm. So I thought, well, if Jesus cursed the tree, I'll do right the opposite.
0: You're going to bless it, huh? Yes. <laughs> that's great. So I
2: kid y'all not on some of these trees, I have gone around for 10 years laying hands on them. I'm sure my neighbors have thought I was crazy, but that's quite all right. But anyway, and I did, I just, you know blessed them and you know whatever's you know loose on earth is loose in heaven and whatever's cursed on earth is you know the whole nine yards well the other night Sunday night we had to start watering so this one tree that I have just longed for it to bloom these 10 plus years I was about to do cartwheels in the dark because the thing is now covered in buds And so, anyway, so I've got just one tree left that, you know, I've still got to work on. But I'm saying all this to say that sometimes with friendships, and we have watered and watered and watered. So, with some friendships, you have to put forth some extra effort. And you may have to for a long, long, long dry, you know, where you don't see anything blooming for a, you know, long period of time. And I just want to brag on um, a dear friend of mine who, she goes to this church, and if it had, <coughs> pardon me, had not been for her way back in May of 1981 inviting me. And so we have weathered a lot of things together. And so that really is what a true friendship, you know, a true sisterhood is, is all about. That's
0: good. You nurtured. You're a good friend to those trees, too. <laughs> That's good. Anybody else? If you don't have that kind of friendship, I just encourage you to ask God for it. Use your faith for it. I I believe it's a godly desire. You have to get past fear sometimes. You know, if you've been hurt in relationships, a lot of times you push people away because you don't want to get hurt because you've been hurt before. And, And to let yourself be vulnerable in friendship... It needs to be a godly connection. It needs to be somebody whose heart is after God. And uh, if if their heart's after God and your heart's after God, then you can work through anything, anything in the flesh. So, we good? Okay. I want to say one thing. One thing that I've learned with a lot of my friends moving away is never let distance, especially in today's... Yes. world where we have so much technology never let distance take away that friendship because three of my best friends don't even live in the state Yeah. so that's good keep that in mind we do have a lot yeah a lot of ways <laughs> now FaceTime with the grandbaby today that just lives down the road but you know it's just something about seeing their face when you're talking and we mm-hmm. have the technology to to do that All right, all minds clear. I don't know if we'll continue this or not, we'll see. Y'all can stand.